You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello to all you podcast listeners. We're bringing you something really special. One of the great spiritual thinkers of our time, Eckhart Tolle and I, are giving you a chapter-by-chapter class on what I believe is his groundbreaking masterpiece, Eckhart's best-selling book, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. This book resonated with me in such a profound way. I truly think that it's the most important book I've ever read. It's changed the way I live my life, so much so that I always have a copy on my nightstand because I constantly give myself a refresher course. And now more than ever, we need to create what Eckhart calls a new earth inside our personal lives, in our communities, and the world. Give it a listen, and over 10 episodes, you too will be opened up and learn how to quiet your mind, get your ego in check, live a fully more present life, We're talking deep, big picture, even delving into consciousness and the reason why we're all really here. My greatest hope is that Eckhart's quiet wisdom and patient teachings will resonate with you as they have with me. Each podcast episode will start with my conversation with Eckhart about a chapter, and then Eckhart answers questions from people who are reading along in the book. So I encourage you to get your own copy of A New Earth, Awakening, to your life's purpose, and join us for a thrilling, enlightening, and spiritual experience. Hi again. So glad you're joining me today, because this class is another one of my favorites. I know I say that. I've only said it about three times, because I have three really favorite chapters in this book. Chapter seven. Now, you know the full title of Eckhart's book is A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. And in order to awaken to your purpose, you have to be able to answer the question, who am I? Who are you? Who are you at your core? Once you take away all the labels, what's really left of you with the capital Y? Well, figuring out who you are, and perhaps more importantly, who you are not, is what this class really is all about, and hopefully, That is all becoming a little clearer to you as you read the book. As you'll see, you'll have little epiphanies. I'm a little under the weather, but I can tell you, I love doing this so much. Nothing dampened my spirits or enthusiasm for these conversations with Eckhart. So my apologies for the stuffy nose and the sniffling. On to chapter seven of A New Earth. I truly believe that as uh, each one of us becomes more awake and aware in our own lives, so will 
our families and everyone we encounter, our communities and our, and our countries and eventually our world. And so Eckhart uh, Tolle and I welcome you once again to yet another lesson, chapter seven, my favorite chapter thus far. All right, everybody, we're discussing chapter seven, finding who you truly are, which I know is the reason why so many of you picked up this book in the first place, because when I first announced it, I was reading the subtitle that the book is A New Earth Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. Let's start with an overview of what this chapter um, is really about. You begin with know thyself. Chapter seven starts with those two words that you say are inscribed above the entrance of uh, a famous Greek temple. You say on page 186, what those words imply is this. Before you ask any other questions, first ask the most fundamental question of your life. Who am I? And then you say on page 189 that you are not the ego. So when you become aware of the ego in you, it doesn't mean you know who you are. It means you know who you're not. But it is through knowing who you are not that the greatest obstacle to truly knowing yourself is removed. So let's start off with these two questions. Who aren't I and who am I? And of course, the best starting point is the first question. Who aren't I? Because what is left when you realize, and it's usually a process for most people, realizing who you are not letting go of identification with things and so on. When you realize who you are not, then suddenly who you are becomes revealed to you. And who you are cannot easily be put into words, because if it could, then it could be answered in one simple sentence, and then everybody could repeat that answer and believe that they know who they are. That's right. So we start with knowing who you are not, and that begins for people sometimes with loss, uh, where they lose something valuable that they had identified with, or death comes into their lives, some kind of breakdown or disaster happens, sometimes those people suddenly... Awaken. Awaken. Something has been taken away from them that they had identified with for many years that had become part of their sense of self. Mm -hmm. And if something very fundamental that has been part of your sense of self is removed, death, loss, Even collapse. if it's a person, a human being it who, could be who, somebody, who you loved. Yes, it could yeah. be somebody close to you who dies. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, at first it leads to enormous suffering and you feel as if part of you had died also. Mm -hmm. And for some people that happens even if they lose possessions mm -hmm. because they were so identified with their possessions mm -hmm. that when their possessions are removed, they feel there's nothing left of me. Mm -hmm. Another uh, related to possessions is social position. Mm -hmm. If people fall from high, some high social position, there's right. a scandal, it happens all the time in the news. Yes. <laughs> Not mentioning any names. Yes, don't. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> and uh, then these people can be extremely painful if they had become totally identified with either their possessions or their social position, and they're mm -hmm. suddenly faced with a kind of huge emptiness in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then the question arises, I'm nobody anymore. And this is the point, a decisive point is reached there where they can either continue to resist and suffer, resist what has happened internally, mm -hmm. complain about it, tell themselves story about it, how it's all collapsed, 
or they can suddenly come to a point of acceptance of what happened and acceptance of the present moment. So the thing that was so important in their lives actually left behind, I sometimes compare to, if you look at a person's life, it's a tapestry, consists of all kinds of things that one identifies with. Right. And when a great loss happens, it's almost as if suddenly there's a huge hole in that tapestry of my life. Correct. And that is painful when you identify with the tapestry, but behind the tapestry, there's a light that shines through because without the light, there wouldn't be anything at all. That's why you can even see your life. Without the light of consciousness, nothing would be. Behind the tapestry, there's a light. I'm using a kind of analogy. Mm -hmm. So when you don't resist this hole that has suddenly appeared in this tapestry of your life, mm -hmm. then there's a light that shines through then, and I'm using it as an analogy. Mm -hmm. There's suddenly a peace that comes when the emptiness that is left behind by the form that has dissolved mm -hmm. is not resisted internally. Mm. And then through that empty space, there comes what the Bible calls the peace that passes all understanding. Mm. Because you can't explain suddenly, and people have reported that this has happened to them. They lost, sometimes in some cases, everything. They suffered at first, and then suddenly an inner shift happened, they accept it. And this also happens when you are grieving somebody that you loved, isn't it true? Because yes. when you come to understand fully who you are, it doesn't mean that you will no longer be saddened when you lose loved ones. No. But you will also, when you become conscious, you then understand that they have just moved from form to formless and that the formless can have an easier way to come through come through now even more strongly yes. than it did in the form yes. if you allow yourself to be with it and to see it and to experience it. Yes. Let's go here to, to uh, page 186, everybody. This is one of my favorite things. Unconscious people, and many remain unconscious, trapped in their egos throughout their lives, will quickly tell you who they are, their name, their occupation, their personal history, the shape or state of their body, and whatever they identify with. Others may appear to be more evolved because they think of themselves as an immortal soul or divine spirit. But do they really know themselves? Or have they just added some spiritual sounding uh, concepts to the content of their mind? Knowing yourself goes far deeper than the adoption of a set of ideas or beliefs. Spiritual ideas and beliefs may at best be helpful pointers but in themselves, they rarely have the power to dislodge the more firmly established core concepts of who you think you are, which are part of the conditioning of the human mind. This is my favorite in, in this chapter, one of my favorites. I have three stars, then another star when I read it the second time, and another star. Knowing yourself deeply has nothing to do with whatever ideas are floating around in your mind. Knowing yourself is to be rooted in being instead of lost in your mind. Yes. yes. That was beautifully written. Yes. And so the, I mentioned that because some people are identified, many people are identified with external things. You mentioned, I believe, a week or two ago, you, somebody mentioned to you that they suddenly realized that they are not their car. They're not their car. <laughs> That's yeah. the beginning, yes. <laughs> early stage of disidentification. Mm -hmm. But it's good. 
But we do think we are, and that's why you wrote the whole chapter. We do think we are our roles. Yes, you know, our roles. Because a lot of people have important roles. Roles as parents and yes. roles in important positions that affect yes. a lot of people's lives. Yes. And people think that they are their roles and they identify with their status in the world and that's what right. they have achieved. That's right. And of course, it's a question of finding a balance of honoring the role, that, of honoring the function that you have in this world. So that's fine. You have to do whatever you're doing. You, you fulfill your function as mother, as father, or in some other capacity, some pu public function, business function, whatever it is. So to honor the function without becoming totally identified with the function, so that always there's still a human being there, not yes. just a function. So knowing yourself deeply has nothing to do with whatever ideas are floating around in your mind. And also, what I meant, what you just read, is people sometimes have certain ideas in their mind of who they are, and mm. they may be spiritual ideas. Mm -hmm. I'm eternal spirit, that's of course wonderful, and basically it is true, but do you truly know that? Because to, in order to truly know that you are more, you are much deeper than this form, goes far beyond holding certain concepts in your mind. Yeah. It goes, this kind of knowing is a knowing that it goes beyond conceptual Because if you really knew that, you would have a certain way of being or living in the world yes. that would manifest that in the world. Exactly. And that would uh, manifest your being in the world. That's right. And, but, and particularly when situations happened, your reaction to a situation always tells you where you are at as far as your level of consciousness. That is why a lot of people become annoyed with people who claim to be so spiritual or so religious, yes. who are intolerant of other people, yes. intolerant of other ideas, self-righteous, imposing their ideas on other people, because if you truly were what you say you are. Yes. So yes. moving on to who you think you are, beautiful statements here. On page 187, everybody, if small things have the power to disturb you, then who you think you are is exactly that small. That will be your unconscious belief. What are the small things? Ultimately, all things are small things because all things are transient. And you say, your sense of who you are determines what you perceive or, or is your needs and what matters to you in life. And whatever matters to you will have the power to upset and disturb you. So people all the time say, you know, I'm a peaceful person, I'm a loving person, yes. I'm a kind person, I'm a generous person, I'm a good person. Yes. And then the slightest thing goes wrong and suddenly something else comes up, which is total opposite of the good person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so this is not the deep knowing of who you are. The deep knowing really is uh, we use the word know here in a somewhat differently from the conventional way of using the word know. Usually knowing is conceptual knowing. Right. So to be rooted in being instead of lost in your mind. And what does that mean to be rooted in being? And again, we are using words here to describe something that really is beyond words. It's not describable. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but just a little hint is, we always come back, of course, here in, uh, in this teaching to the present moment. Absolutely. So when, you, when your attention moves 
fully into the present moment. At that moment, you go deeper into, into being. Mm -hmm. You could say that life has two dimensions. There's the horizontal dimension of life, past, future, where mm. everything happens. And most people, their whole existence is on that horizontal surface dimension. And they think life. that's their life. They think that's all there is. Mm -hmm. And of course, then life is quite a threatening place because you all never, that is transient. It changes. Very transient. Yeah. And you've, so you've never encountered the deeper dimension. This, by the way, is a few people have interpreted the Christian cross, which we mentioned also mm -hmm. last time in a slightly different context. The Christian cross as being showing the horizontal dimension of life and suddenly the inter it intersects with the vertical dimension. Mm. It's also the dimension of the sacred. Yes. And so the, you enter the vertical dimension by being, becoming present, by bringing your attention into the now. So then, because then past and future disappear from your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And at this, at this moment, there's only the now and suddenly a depth opens up within you. And so what you've been saying throughout this book is that if you are living your life in the horizontal, the past and the future, then you're not really living. You are making enemies of this present moment. Yes. And you're not truly living. Yes. And that when you say, what I interpret what you say, knowing yourself is to be rooted in being instead of lost in your mind, is to in every encounter, and I've been doing this more and more, coming back to your breath. Yes coming back to the present moment in such a way that you are aware and conscious of everything that's going on around you and recognizing that you, you, you are that awareness. That's who you are. You are yes. the observer of all these things that are going on in the horizontal plane of your life. Exactly. So the, with the vertical comes the, the witnessing presence, the that's observer. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's and so on. That's the liberation. You. That's you. Sometimes this word liberation is used in spiritual context. Mm -hmm. That's the liberation from the horizontal dimension, which Jesus calls the world. Yes. Debbie's from the Netherlands. I understand you have a question about the quote <coughs> on page 187 about small things disturbing you. I love this quote. Go ahead, Deb. Hi. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Eckhart. Hi. Uh, my question is about high sensitivity. I always considered myself as a sensitive person, and uh, that means I'm easily overwhelmed by day-to-day -day life things uh, that might be considered small. I've been practicing staying in the moment with challenging moments, uh, but I think I need some more advice. Is high sensitivity uh, just an, an, a narrow egoic state? And do you have some tools that might help me to stop feeling so overwhelmed by all these small things? does sound like a label you've given yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm a highly like sensitive individual, uh, yes. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. that is true. So that's uh, that also we need to address. Uh, can you give two, uh, perhaps two or three examples of what kind of things you are very sensitive to? What? Well, a lot of things, but usually when I go into a shop and there's loud music there, I just uh, want to run away. I have a hard time dealing with uh, noise and chaos. Yes, or being in a big city, traffic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I suggest that you experiment a little bit when these situations arise and you feel the same thing happening again. Uh, and if you bring a very alert attention to the situation, you realize that really there are three levels to this situation. 
level one is, whatever it is that disturbs you, the external noise, the chaos, the traffic, whatever it may be. So there's the, the thing that disturbs you, level one. Level two, there is your reaction to that thing that disturbs you, which could come as a, it could, could be an almost physical reaction as perhaps a contraction in your body. It could be also an emotional reaction mm -hmm. of uh, frustration, irritation, anger, I assume, something like that, right? And also, in addition, the reaction could be certain thoughts in your head about the situation that says, I can't stand being here any longer, it's dreadful, dreadful, right? This is level two. Mm -hmm. Now, be aware mm -hmm. Of that these two are first of all separate. There is the triggering event or situation, and then there is your physical, emotional, mental reaction to that. And now what is level <coughs> three? That is usually overlooked, but level three is where ultimately freedom lies. Level three is your awareness of both these levels you are aware that there is the, the situation, the event, the, there is my reaction, physical, emotional, mental, and there is myself being the aware space for those two. And if you can bring your attention more to that deepest level, then you realize changes will happen on the other two levels. If you re recognize yourself not as the reacting entity that happens in you, but that's not who you are. Got it. But you recognize yourself as the awareness that is aware of the thing that's happening out there, of the thing that's reacting inside. So also. actually, like Debbie, you're observing your own behavior. You're observing your your. Ego's behavior to it. Yes. You're observing your ego's behavior. With no judgment, just no judgment. as pure observation, pure awareness. Like, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm getting so upset over yes. this guy pulling just, in front of just me. Just being there as the awareness. Mm -hmm. So, and that's that's already the beginning of freedom, and yeah. then uh, increasingly you realize that you are that. You are not the entity that is reacting. And then, as Oprah said, then you can let go of thinking of yourself of having this concept of yourself as a highly sensitive person that perhaps <laughs> you might, it's not natural, nothing personal in this, you may have become attached to because you've lived with this concept of who you are for many years. <laughs> so that's where freedom lies. But, but in addition to, to Debbie's question, let's say, and for her, you know, she labels herself or defines herself as a highly sensitive person. But let's say a person gets upset about someone putting a dent in his or her car, or you spill coffee on your blouse right before an important meeting, or your child gets sick, or you get sick, or are you saying that if we get upset about these things, these kinds of things, that we don't know who we truly are? Um, if the dimension of presence or awareness is missing, then you are lost in the reaction. Mm -hmm. You think and, you are the reaction. Yes, then you become the reaction. And when you become the reaction, you don't know who you are. It's a misperception of who you are. You got that, right, Debbie? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I got it that too. Help you a lot. Isn't it good when you get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got it too. I got it too. 
And just detaching yourself, it doesn't, that doesn't change the situation. It doesn't no. immediately change the situation, but you do find that as you practice this, changes suddenly appear, changes sometimes first appear in the force that is behind your reaction mm -hmm. that lessens. You react, still react, but less, not as strongly. And miraculously, you sometimes even find that if, you, if you're totally, because really the awareness level is also part of the acceptance. Mm -hmm. You completely accept that at this moment, this is what I feel, and this is what the external situation is. With complete acceptance, even changes often happen miraculously in the external situation. Yeah, I think acceptance of the situation, uh, which you talk about in Power of Now, and also um, repeatedly in A New Earth, acceptance, non-resistance to the moment, is one of the most important things we can learn. Yes. And that is whether or not you are facing a crisis, whether you're facing someone you've lost, a loved one, or whether you're, you know, in traffic and are a highly sensitive person, non-accepting what is in that moment yes. is the most important. Yes. And you can practice with little things because little things happen throughout the day that people feel irritated about, angry about, are protesting against, and so on. Or with little things, you will have many opportunities to practice. So it's a wonderful spiritual practice. So you use <laughs> what you before you wanted to get rid of, you use it as part of your spiritual practice, and then as a byproduct, you also eventually get rid of it. Thanks, Debbie. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. From the Netherlands, thank you. Thank you. Everybody says they want peace, inner peace and peace on earth. On page 188, you say, if peace is really what you want, then you will choose peace. And if peace um, mattered to you more than anything else, and if you truly knew yourself to be a spirit rather than a little me, <laughs> you would remain non-reactive and absolutely alert when confronted with challenging people or situations. Yes. Yes. That's the, so there's, you can either be reactive, um, act according to your, the way you've reacted for many year, years, your past mm -hmm. conditioning, or you can become more alert when a challenging situation happens so that you don't internally separate yourself from the situation so that when you completely open yourself to the situation, that you bring an alertness to it, an alertness of presence. So you're facing the situation totally with that state of alert presence. Mm -hmm. You're not reactive anymore. And if something needs to be said or done in the situation, the words will suddenly come from that level of consciousness, mm -hmm. from that alert stillness. If you need to do something, then you, the right thing, the right doing will happen. Mm -hmm. in, in, uh, instinctively, or, or instinctively is not the right word, intuitively, the right thing, you will do the right thing. So, Because it will be born out of a sense of presence. Out of presence. Or a sense of being, which is another word that we're using. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. And so any, what, whenever you are upset, about any situation, there's a, a line in the Course in Miracles that mm -hmm. says, I am never upset for, for the, the reason, reason I, I think. think. Yes. So because when you're upset, you have lost yourself on the external level, what we call the horizontal. But aren't there some things worth upsetting you? I mean, there are injustices in the world and there are horrible things happening all the time in the world that we should be upset about. I wouldn't say that we should be upset about. It, would, it is normal for people to be upset about this, but it is not the most effective way of bringing about change. I got it. 
You can be upset all day long and nothing, nothing changes. happens. Because people have been upset for years and things don't yes. change. Yes, mm -hmm. people are upset about violence, they're upset about war, continuous war between nations and so mm. on. It continues to happen. And you cannot, you cannot fight against... But being upset about it changes nothing. No, so it's more powerful to face a situation and see this is how it is, and then see if action is possible. What is it that can be done? Got it. And then there's no negativity in the action. Mm -hmm. But if you are resisting, if you are complaining about a situation already, whatever you do, uh, negativity flows into what you do. Yeah. I just got something earlier, and the reason I'm thinking about this is because a friend of mine had lost his brother and was saying that you know he was having such a hard time letting go. And I, what I just had in this moment, something clicked for me, is that when people do finally are allowed to move on from their grief, it's because they have come to the point of acceptance yes. that their loved one is gone. Yes. And what you're saying is in any situation, whether it's the loss of a loved one or loss of a position or loss of whatever um, that you're faced with, acceptance of the situation yes. and beginning to deal with what is going on now oh. instead of wondering or worrying about what could have been, should have been, might have been, yes. changes the, the situation and the way you feel about it. Yes. And that your pain and suffering is caused and stress is caused because you refuse to accept the now. Yes, you're not one with the now. Got it. Yeah. Continuing on with who we are, because I, I know so many people have this as a, as a prominent question for themselves. You say on page 189, nobody can tell you who you are. It would just be another concept. So it would not change you. Who you are requires no belief. In fact, every belief is an obstacle. What does that mean? It means who you are has nothing to do with any thought that you might have about yourself. So does who you are have nothing to do with what you've done? So you've spent your life here doing all this work and working, 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 making money, taking care of your family, doing all the things that people do. And that has nothing to do with you. And then you, at your funeral, they read your, you know, words about you and say, this is who you are. Well, and then there's the gravestone. Mm -hmm. And on the gravestone, there is the date of birth. And there is a one or two inch dash. Yes. And then there's the date of your death. And the dash is really all your ambitions and your fears and your drama and your problems. That's what's left on that level. So I'm not saying not to honor the level of form because that's what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do in this life, this horizontal level where we do things, where we have our, our functions and play roles, you honor that level, but realizing there is something more vital there is something deeper than just that. Okay. Bridget says, Dear Oprah and Eckhart, can you explain the quote on page 192, but nothing you can find out about yourself is you. Nothing you can know about you is you. Yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm making a difference here between knowing yourself and knowing about yourself. Okay. Uh, and I am mentioned as an example, if you go to a, a conventional psychoanalyst, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, you will spend some years examining uh, the makeup of your conditioning, of your past, your childhood, and so on. You, you find out more and more about yourself 
things that perhaps you hadn't seen clearly mm -hmm. about your emotions, about the makeup of your thoughts right. and so on. And all that is knowing about, it's to do with content. Right. The content of my life and the content of my mind, ultimately, because my life is, I know it only as the content of my mind. So that is knowing about yourself and you can know thousands of facts about yourself and your history mm -hmm. and still not know who you are because that knowing has nothing to do with conceptual knowing, with bits of information. It's the deeper knowing. I gave the analogy earlier of the honey. The honey. You can know about the honey. Yes. Or you can taste the honey because when you taste the honey, the honey becomes you. It merges with That's you. That's right. That's right. In that sense, knowing who you are in a non-conceptual way is being fully who you are, is being in touch with that deeper level of being where that you can only access in the present moment, the vertical dimension. Can I ask, well, if you are reading this book and suddenly become to understand or not reading this book and understand, as you say, many people say, well, I'm a spiritual being, you know, I'm on my spiritual path. Yes. As many people have said, they say, well, I've been on the spiritual path for many years or I'm a spiritual person. Aren't you just a little step closer thinking you're a spiritual person or is that another form of your ego saying I'm a spiritual person? Well, you have Because to... I've said for years, I recognize I'm spirit. Yes, that is... Come from, come the, come from the greater spirit. So yes. I can use the word I am consciousness, mm -hmm. come out of the greater consciousness that I call God. Yes. Or spirit that come out of the greater consciousness, spirit that I call God. Yes. So I, I recognize that. I know that intellectually. Yes. So in that sense, you could say intellectually, that is a true statement. Yeah, but I also but the, feel it deeply. The question is whether, and this is, I know that you do, but mm -hmm. any, the question is whether you truly feel that as a reality and a way of finding out how deeply you tr truly know this mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. when, how you, you react to situations in your life and how you react to other people in your mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's there that you find out whether your belief that you are spirit, whether you truly know that or whether it's no more, as I put it, than an idea floating mm -hmm. around in your mind. Mm -hmm. Do you know it in the depths of your being? Mm -hmm. Because then the way in which you deal with situations and people is very different. Correct. I've always believed that I really was God's child, yeah. that I was, you know, come from, and as I've gotten older and could articulate it better, you know, I use other ways of describing it, but I believe that I came from that which is God. Yes. And was born of that. Yes. And so therefore really have no real fears in the world. I've always believed everything would be okay. Yes. And no matter what, I'm going to be okay yes. because and, of that. And you can And that's more than a belief, actually. More than a belief, you can sense that. Yeah. In some way that it's hard to describe. Right. But you can sense that ultimately there isn't you and God, there is a deep place where you and God merge. There's mm -hmm. the oneness with that. Well, I've just gotten that later in life. Yes. I used to think God was out there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hi, Eleanor. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Mr. Tole. Hello. This is such a great experience. I really thank you so much for it. Well, thank you. Your question is? My question is, on page 192, mm -hmm. you say, you may not want to know yourself because you are afraid of what you may find out. Mm -hmm. 
And my question is about letting go of your insecurities or what you would call your ego. For many years now, I've been handling, um, so to say, an eating disorder. And it's pretty much been, it's consumed a great part of my identity. That's how I identify myself. And I feel like that causes a great lacking in me. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I do want to let go. But then a great part of me just wants to hold on to this identification of myself. And I guess my question is, what is this next step from awakening to the fact that I should move on and acting upon that? Mm -hmm. That's the deriving your sense of who you are Mm -hmm. from certain thoughts or mental images that you have about yourself. And that's the normal... uh, identity that people have. They derive their sense of self from certain mental images or thoughts they have about themselves, which they repeat to themselves, which they talk to others about. Yes, this is what Debbie was saying to us earlier from the Netherlands. I'm a very sensitive person, so therefore lots of things overwhelm me. Yes. Yes. And that's already, on one level, that is true, but if you become too identified with a label like that, then that becomes a hindrance in going beyond it. Mm-hmm. That's why you immediately said when she said that, ah, there we have a, a label. label. Mm-hmm. And so there's a similar thing uh, perhaps that happens to you. So it's really finding within yourself something that is more powerful, more genuine, more truly who you are than any image that you have in your mind. And we have to come back here to really the the essence of this teaching, which is present moment. You have to invite the present moment into your life as frequently as you can. You have to make room for the present moment because it's only when you make room for the present moment that these images and mental concepts about who you are do not operate. So when you become present, and I've already given hints about how to, little things you can do to become present, then the alertness rises. The key is here, another word for presence is the alertness. And so you become alert also within, you feel the aliveness of your inner body. Rather than having a mental concept of who you are, you feel the entire energy field, that, that which animates the physical form, and yes. you are in touch with that. Yeah, and Eleanor, uh, what I would say, add to that is, is that you haven't done that enough because once you start to do that, when you get in touch with the inner body, when you begin to feel the inner space, when you begin to feel the presence and being that is really you, you realize you're bigger than your little self with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. When you start, and the reason why you're still attached to this idea of having an e- eating disorder, because that's as big as you know yourself to be right now. And when you know yourself to be something more, you will choose to be the something more and not this little me that has an eating disorder. That's, that's how I see yes, it. Yes, that's it. That's how I see it. Yes. And that's why you're clinging to it, because you don't know who yeah. you are. Because you don't know who you are. It's very difficult to move beyond that. I mean, I may, in my, my mind, 
understands that intellectually that I'm greater than this issue. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's not gonna. The, you're not gonna help yourself through your mind. Right. That's what Eckhart is saying in this whole book. That real healing, real everything, creativity, real joy, real presence and being comes from that space, the inner space of consciousness or presence and being. And the reason why you're attached to the idea, because that works for you. That works for you right now. Very easy. Yeah, thing. that works for you because you like playing small right now. And so maybe you're not ready. But what he just described for you is exactly, and it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't mean that, no. you know, tomorrow you're going to wake up and, and, and not have an issue. It's slowly bringing more and more consciousness into your daily way of being that allows it's you It's a to lot of effort, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and I would Thanks. say this, Eleanor, I would say you're worth it. Thank you. I Thank you say, so much for this opportunity. I would say you're worth the effort. Yes. I would say you're Thank worth you. the effort. Thank you. I want to move on to abundance. And there was a question I had earlier that you had on, on here about abundance. I love that question. But there's a lot in Chapter 7 about abundance mm -hmm. and that we are not the little me that we think we are. You say on page 190, whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you are withholding from the world. And you are withholding it because deep down you think you're small and that you have nothing to give. Mm -hmm. Try this for a couple of weeks and see how it changes your reality. Whatever you think people are withholding from you, praise, appreciation, assistance, loving, care, and so on, give it to them. What's so great about this, I think, is that it's something people can do every day right now, mm -hmm. is to start to give that which you say you most want. Yes. And it starts with recognizing <clears throat> external abundance. That if the act of recognition that there's external abundance, and what that is, we'll see in a second, mm -hmm. is the act of recognition of external abundance already brings out the abundance that is an essential part of your very being. Mm -hmm. So when you recognize abundance without, and what I'm suggesting there is to, is to, to look at, you're walking past a store, but there's a display of fruit, apples, oranges, and you see the abundance and the aliveness that is there. Mm -hmm. You acknowledge it there. Mm -hmm. Abundance doesn't mean that you need to buy many things. You can buy or not buy. Mm -hmm. But it's to, you see the abundance of water, rain falling from the sky. There's an abundance of water. There's mm -hmm. an abundance of aliveness. There's an abundance of joy in the dog that's going past you there. And so to recognize, to see the abundance that surrounds you, even if you're very poor in the eyes of the world, the abundance is always there around you, but you need to recognize it, acknowledge it. And another word for that is gratitude. I know. I was going to say, I've, that's why I've kept a gratitude journal for years. Yes. If you keep a gratitude journal, listening, I do this thing, just the five things in the day that made you most grateful. What you start to notice is, is that you, there are more things added to your list yes. and you don't even have time to write them all. Yes. And when you start to pay attention to the things, okay? And you also say acknowledging the good that is already in your life is the foundation for all abundance. Yes. And again, many people make that mistake because they believe that there is nothing good in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's absurd. It means they are not present. They are trapped in certain stories in their head which tell them continuously that there is nothing good in my life. And if they only opened their eyes and looked around, and if they smelled the air, saw the sunlight, the, the most abundant thing you can see is the sun. Well, I think the most abundant thing you can have is your breath. 
the breath. Come back to your breath. Yes, yes, come back to the breath. Of the, so you can be with that and... When you can't think of anything to be grateful for, go to your breath. Breath or yes. the aliveness in your hands mm -hmm. and in your arms to feel that. And you sum this up, this abundance, by using a quote from Jesus saying, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. That is the truth, so help me. That is just the truth. Yes, it's an amazing, amazing statement. And also somewhere else, Jesus talks about... Uh, you must like Jesus. You talk about him a lot. Oh, yes. There, there was a time when I, I was brought up as a Catholic and then I, for many years I wasn't interested anymore. Mm -hmm. And then after I went through this inner shift, a couple of years afterwards, I happened to pick up the New Testament and I happened to read the Gospels and mm -hmm. I suddenly saw how deep all this is, these statements. That's right. And it the, became more than doctrine. For yes, you. Mm -hmm. yes. And so Jesus somewhere else says, I, I want you to have life in its fullness. I want you to have the fullness of life. Mm. And that's, the, that's a beautiful statement. And people sometimes don't realize what he means by the fullness of life, because in our civilization particularly, the fullness of life means having as many things as possible. Yes. And of course, I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus was not talking about shopping malls. No. Nope. Because if he was talking about shopping malls, then the kingdom of heaven has already arrived and it's in the shopping malls. <laughs> <laughs> so he was not talking about many, many things. Eckhart made a joke, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Eckhart made a funny. <laughs> he was talking about something that is within you. The fullness of life is a dimension within you. And he said, I want you to be in touch with that dimension yeah. within you. And you are absolutely right. If you get nothing else from this book, if you can get that, then your life will change. Yes. Your life will change. Yes. That abundance comes only to those who already have it, page 192. It sounds almost unfair, but of course it isn't. It's a universal law. Both abundance and scarcity are interstates and manifest as your reality. Jesus puts it like this, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he's not talking about things. No. He's talking about your inner state yes. of gratitude yes. for what you already have. Yes. And your life will change. All right, let's talk about the joy of being. Unhappiness or negativity is a disease on our planet. What pollution is on the outer level is negativity. Page 213, everybody. What pollution is on the outer level is negativity on the inner. It is everywhere, not in just places where people don't have enough, I love this, but even more so where they have more than enough. The affluent world is even more deeply identified with form, more lost in content, more trapped in ego. Yes. I thought that was interesting. Yes. Uh, sometimes you see, you know, when you visit certain places where people have relatively little, often you see more happy faces and radiant That's faces right. than uh, in our rich society. Mm -hmm. So the passage is about negativity, mm -hmm. and uh, there's an enormous amount of negativity in the collective energy field of our planet, but it is generated by individuals. So it's everybody's task to be alert so that when negativity arises within them, they recognize it mm -hmm. and then ask themselves whether that is what they choose. Mm. When you recognize it, you can be there as the presence and you have a choice. Is, is negativity ever 
the optimum way of dealing with any situation. And if you look closely, you'll see it never is mm -hmm. a good way of dealing with any situation. Okay, you say on page 214, the joy of being, which is the only true happiness, cannot come to you through any form, possession, achievement, person, or event. And that means people who think that I'm with you and I love you and you're gonna bring me joy, cannot. No. Yes, you either are joy or you're not. Yes. Okay, through anything that happens, that joy cannot come to you ever. It emanates from the formless dimension within you, from consciousness itself, and thus is one with who you are. Yes, it comes from within and not from without. People conventionally expect it to come to them from without, and then it usually doesn't, because it's, you need to discover it in yourself first. And this is why when you try to manifest things in your life, uh, which is a fine thing to do. Mm -hmm. But the vital question is, have you, first of all, already come to that place of fullness and joy within yourself mm -hmm. right now? Have you found the right relationship with the present moment? Mm -hmm. If you haven't, because that's where it resides. It's only by having a right relationship with the present moment that the joy can arise from within you. You talk about that on 210 when you say to awaken within the dream is our purpose now. When we are awake within the dream, the ego-created earth drama comes to an end and a more benign and wondrous dream arises, this new earth. Also, let's go to page 215, everybody. The top of 215, you talk about a powerful spiritual practice is consciously to allow the diminishment of ego because what we've been learning through a new earth is that most of us have until reading this book, believed we were our egos, believed we were, as Eckhart has said earlier in tonight, we believed we were our horizontal life without the vertical. We believe we were our past, we believe we are what we're going to do and what we have done. And the, the now was always just a sort of means to an end. Yes. Okay, so you say a powerful spiritual practice is consciously to allow the diminishment of ego when it happens without attempting to restore the ego. I recommend that you experiment with this from time to time. For example, when someone criticizes you, blames you, or calls you names, I gotta tell you, it's hard to say, is that so? <laughs> uh, instead, <laughs> instead of immediately retaliating or defending yourself, do nothing. Allow the self-image to remain diminished and become alert to what that feels like deep inside <clears throat> you. So what's that supposed to do for us? No, <laughs> it's not, uh, I'm not saying, in each case you should do that as an experiment with this from time to time mm -hmm. when particularly when nothing depends on that situation so you don't have to explain right. something so that a situation can be put right mm -hmm. or whatever somebody just calls you um, we talked about it the other day somebody cut you <coughs> off in traffic mm -hmm. yes uh, so that would be a good practice but it's totally pointless to retaliate yes it makes no sense whatsoever so, but the retaliation when somebody calls you names in traffic or whatever. Or does something to upset you. Yes. Uh, Try doing nothing. Yes, the retaliation is automatic and unconscious because mm -hmm. it comes from the ego. Because when somebody calls you stupid, for example, right. or somebody calls you idiot, 
it, the, it injures the ego. It hurts the ego tremendously. And it's the ego that's being injured, not you. Not you. It's nothing because deep down you know that it's not you. It's just the ego image of who I think I am. Deep down you, well, deep down you know it's not you, but if you are a person who lives unconsciously, then you if you live don't. out of your ego, you think it's you. Yes. Yes. And immediately the ego will go into what I call instant self-repair mechanism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And this instant self-repair mechanism, which is totally unconscious... Says, I am not stupid. Well, it, no, it will call the other person something worse than stupid. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and by that, the ego believes that it has repaired itself. And on that level, it has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So th this person has taken something away from you, this, the imaginary ego, and yes. then you take something away from that other person. This is how the egos work. And then, of course, it's probably not the end, because the other person is going to retaliate again. Right, and now <laughs> and you're in it. The whole madness starts. Now you're in the drama. Yes, so like, this is a good example where you can practice being non-reactive. So when somebody calls you something, remain totally... And you say when that happens, just do it for a few seconds. It may feel uncomfortable, as it will, just yes. to keep your mouth shut. It feels like you've shrunk in size for a momentarily. Then you may sense an inner spaciousness that feels intensely alive. You haven't been diminished at all. In fact, you have expanded. What do you mean by that? Yes, so somebody... You are not, what you are not defending is your, your egoic identity, the image identity. And that re suddenly, that has become diminished by somebody call, by calling you stupid, for example. <coughs> this entity has become diminished. You don't resist the diminishment, so it has become smaller, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And therefore, suddenly, something that is deeper than that can suddenly come through the because the, the ego has shrunk, shrunk in size. I got it. No, the ego doesn't like that. That's but right. It's a wonderful experiment when you allow the ego to shrink, and then suddenly you feel there is a power underneath that that's far greater than the ego. And it shrinks every time you become aware of yes, it. Yes, yes. Even when you don't do what you're supposed to do? Yes. Okay. Yes. I like this question from uh, Suhad in uh, Clifton, New Jersey. How can we use the high-quality no that you talk about on page 216 in our lives? Can you please provide us with some real-life examples? 216, high-quality no. What did you mean by high-quality no? Uh, in some cases, um, sometimes people misunderstand when I say, say yes to the present moment. Mm -hmm. They believe then whenever somebody asks you something, you're supposed to you say have yes to say okay. yes. Yeah. No, when I say, say yes to the present moment, it's to do with an inner, an inner state of consciousness yes. that is open to what is, that Got does it. not resist what is. It does not necessarily mean that every time somebody asks you something, mm -hmm. you say yes. So let's say a person comes to you, you've uh, known him, you've already lent him money five times, he's never returned it. Or two, two's enough. Two is enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so he says, I need another $500 now. And then you perhaps, this may be a good opportunity, an occasion where you can use a high-quality high no that is not reactive and does not make that person wrong and say, becomes angry and or shouts at him and say, you, you are dishonest, you haven't returned my money and I'm not giving you a penny more. Well, this is a low-quality no. <laughs> Low quality. <laughs> a high quality no is to say... Who do you think you are? All that all kind that of stuff. stories in order to stories. make wrong. Yes, I've given you money so many times before. Yes, and then you make yourself into a victim. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's all part of... Or make of... yourself into the great person who's yes. been so benevolent. Yes, yeah. whatever the egoic game is, mm -hmm. 
So the high quality no is to simply state, well, I've already given you that money twice and you haven't returned it yet, so I won't give you any more. You have to return my money first. I'm mm -hmm. not going to give you. Can you sense that there's no negativity? You simply state clearly, this is what I'm going to do or not do. I won't give you any more because you haven't returned that. Yeah. I just want to say here that I love this on 220. What you see, hear, feel, touch, or think about is only one half of reality, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It is form. In the teaching of Jesus, it's simply called the world, and the other dimension is the kingdom of heaven or eternal life. Then toward the bottom of the page, second to last paragraph, you say, the collective disease of humanity is that people are so engrossed in what happens, so hypnotized by the world of fluctuating forms, so absorbed in the content of their lives, they have forgotten the essence, that which is beyond content, beyond form, beyond thought. They're so consumed by time that they have forgotten eternity, which is their origin, their home, their destiny. Eternity is the living reality of who you are. And you can actually sense it, although that's the wonderful thing when you can be surrounded by the stillness. Yeah. But the amazing thing is you can actually sense that even in the midst of chaos, mm -hmm. even in the midst of noise, I've also very often felt that in nature, mm -hmm. but I have also felt that extreme peace in situations where one wouldn't expect it. I felt it in the middle of London, in busy streets walking around, especially after I went through this shift. Before I went through the shift, I was always anxious and fearful and I couldn't stand the, the traffic and the noise. And suddenly I was able to just walk along Piccadilly Circus and be totally at peace as if I were on a mountaintop inside. Mm -hmm. So when you... Mountaintop inside. Inside, yeah. And that's what presence is, is it not? Yes. Presence is being on the mountaintop inside. Yes, yes. Yeah. You have, that stillness is always there in you as the essence of who you are. And when we call it stillness, we already limit it because it's so vast, you cannot describe it with one word. Right. So whatever word you use is already a limitation. But words are limited, of course, because words refer to tangible things, mm -hmm. but not to the inner reality. Mm -hmm. So before we say goodbye, let's sum up what we've covered in this class. Knowing who you really are means knowing. Yes, knowing at a level beyond the level of concepts, knowing yourself ultimately is being yourself fully, being in touch with being, the being that you are. To sense the I am that is the essence of your identity when you remove all the identifications that usually you say, after you say I am, you say what you are. Mm -hmm. But if you say I am and add nothing to it, that is a good practice. It can get you in touch with the essence. I am not this, I am not that. I am, as a simple meditation, mm -hmm. repeat the words I am to yourself. It's so powerful. I, I started to do that. It is so yes. powerful when and, you do that. And don't fill in the blank after yeah. the words. Yeah. Very powerful. Another similar one is who am I? It's a question. But don't look to the mind for an answer. In fact, don't look for any answer, especially not on the level of mind. Who am I? And then allow the stillness to be there after the question. Don't look for an answer. And in not looking for an answer, there's the answer, but it's not, not a mental concept, mm. as of sensing, wow. feeling. I am. Yes. 
and just be with that. Yes. Yes. And so for whether it's an addiction or an eating disorder or, or nothing, you think you have a really wonderful life, but you are connected to all the things in your life, to the content of your life. Yes. Just being able to sit with yourself and to say those words to yourself, I am. It's wonderfully liberating. And to recognize them, yes. to know them. Yes. Like honey. Yes. To know them. That's like right. Thank you and again. Thank you. I want to thank you all for joining us. Get ready for our next class on Chapter 8. It's the discovery of inner space. I love this. It's my next favorite chapter. I think 7, 8, and 9 are really the essence yeah. of, the, of the book. Inner space is about allowing the inner space of your life to connect to the outer purpose of your life, the inner and outer purposes of your life. Right? That's right. Yeah. Love it. Again, we thank you. This was a long chapter, lots to cover. Every time I read it, I go a little deeper and awaken a little more. Yes. So this is one you need to oh, be with for definitely. a while, over and, and, and over. And after you've read it once, you don't need to read uh, long pages, just read sometimes half a page is enough. Yes. One page. What I do is I go back and read, as you're using your highlighters, just go back and read what you've highlighted and just mm -hmm. be with that. Because the things that you highlight are usually things that resonate with you more deeply. It's, it's a good way of, of reviewing it. And every time you come back to it, you know, two weeks from now, you'll get something that you didn't get the first oh, yes. time. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eckhart. Thanks, everybody. Hey, Super Solars. Looking for a great new read or listen? Well, that's why we're so excited about Oprah's new book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. Oprah has collected all of the lessons she's learned from thought leaders like Eckhart Tolle and Brene Brown and innovators like Jay-Z and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who all understand what it means to achieve the life of your dreams. The Path Made Clear is available now on Apple Books, Amazon, Audible, and at your local bookstore. It really is a game changer for anyone seeking to discover their true calling and start living it. So what are you waiting for? Get the book now and begin your journey today. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.